Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is episode 32 of the Root for Wisconsin show. We're working a little shorthanded today from the Me and True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Eric, that's Ramsey, and that's all we got today. What's going on, guys? Justin could not even make the Zoom call today. He's at home with all three kids by himself. At first, I kind of felt for him, but then I didn't. I stopped. I never felt bad for him. <laughs> that uh, that was a lot of willingful choices that uh, that that was made to get to this situation. That was prior prior choices that were before today. Yeah, so I, I stopped feeling bad. I never quickly. felt bad. Huh. You're I'm also. I'm a heartless bastard, though. Yeah, but. He's doing the correct thing. So yeah, he's being a dad. Like, congratulations, Justin, when you listen to this on... What, Tuesday? Probably, you'll probably listen to Tuesday. this on Tuesday. Yeah. You'll probably hear it tomorrow. Because we have a lot of stuff to come out with and try to oh. make it timely. Uh, the Brewers are playing pretty good. Um, the Tim Rallers are doing okay. You know, ever since the All-Star game was on, I've kind of followed baseball a little bit. I'm so happy for you. I, I've been slightly into it. I'm so happy for you. We got a lot to talk about baseball, so we'll we'll talk about that. We've got upcoming content in the next couple of weeks with that too. I still have to pick a team though. Bearsman. No, absolutely not. Okay. Well, we'll we'll have a conversation about that a little bit different day, because there's a, I guess the NBA finals are going on. Something like that, right? And Milwaukee is on the doorstep of winning a championship for the first time in 50 years. I mean, if you really think about the first Wisconsin championship in the major sports in 10. That's incredible. Insane. Especially for the amount of success the state's had over the last 10, ten years, years since the last championship with the Green Bay Packers. Who, if I would have told you that 10 years ago, hey, the Bucs are going to win the next title. You would have laughed at me, right? Like, you would have laughed. I would have laughed at you, and I also wouldn't have... If you would have told me, even in 2010, that the next championship would come in 10 years, I would have laughed at you. Because if you remember correctly at the time... First of all, the Brewers, after the, 2000, the 2011 season, the Brewers won the Central, got to the National League Championship Series. Yeah, and we're That rolling. was the first of the heartbreaks, yeah. if you look back. Yep. That set up the 15-1 Packers season. Packer season that ended in the division round against the Giants. Yep. That set up the run of Wisconsin teams that couldn't win the Rose Bowl. And right around the same time, the start of the Wisconsin basketball teams that... Got close. Got close. What lost a, to Kentucky in the Final Four game and, and lost, lost to, to Duke. Duke in the National Championship. Which the game they probably should have won on top of that. They were the better team that night. Right. Also, before that National Championship loss, the Seattle Packers. We don't talk about that. We don't. Um, then you had the disaster uh, meltdown in Atlanta, which should have never gotten to that point. Well, Green Bay, they ran into a buzzsaw that day, though. Right. In no, Atlanta. No, no, right. They, Absolutely. They had no business even beating in that game. They did. They were That's what I'm unhealthy saying. Unhealthy. But still. They got there. And then, see, the Bucks knocked on the door. The Packers knocked on the door twice. And now here we are. Yeah. So, pretty rewarding stuff. It feels good for the state of Wisconsin. It really does. It does. We need it. Oh, yeah. Wisconsin, Wisconsin needs this championship more than. I think a lot of people realize that they needed as bad as like the Dodgers needed that World Series they got last year. Yeah, and again, not necessarily for the Bucks' sake, but just for the sake of the sanity in the state. Yeah, with how close we people need, have been. We need to like break that 
mold of oh Wisconsin heartbreak and and it needs to like finally go right for once. But don't you aren't you just like slightly pessimistic that the oh, Bucks are gonna mess not this even up somehow? slightly pessimistic Ramsey? There it's fifty fifty right now, and we'll get more to that in the episode. I mean, I was sitting on the drive home today. I'm like, you know what? The most Wisconsin sport thing to happen right now would be Bucks and six coming is, back to Milwaukee, choking that game away, and just getting. The shit kicked out of no, the seven. The most Wisconsin thing to happen would be Giannis goes up for dunk, comes down, tears his ACL, and it just goes all downhill from there. That's that's I, what that's, I don't even want to talk, speak that. Yeah, because that's what's gonna happen. But that would be like I said, they they find a way to like choke away Game Six when it's supposed to be Bucks and Six at home. I think they're favored around too, aren't they? I think yeah, they're favored by five. Yeah, and it's gonna be sixty-five thousand people in the Deer District, plus whatever they can fit in the stadium. Man, part of me wants to go do the Deer District thing. The other part of me goes, absolutely not. I don't see any beer carts anywhere near those people. And you're not going to get back to your spot. No, and you can, yeah, if you walk away to go to the beer cart, there's no way you get back. No. But how, how cool did that look, Game 5? Oh, man, it's awesome. Like, and if I lived in Milwaukee. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, be down there. If I lived in Sheboygan or within an hour, I'm, con- I'm contemplating going down tomorrow night. I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen, but the thought has crossed my mind twice. It's like, crossed my mind, and I've also looked at tickets for game six, too. Oh, yeah? It's not cheap. No, of course not. It's like $1,000 for standing room. But I have looked a couple times. So there, there's been one sporting event in my entire life that I'd be willing to pay that for, and I almost did. I don't think the Bucks is that. What was it? Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder oh, right. in Las Vegas. Tickets were like $700 a piece, and I had them in my cart, and the wife talked me out of it, and that's my biggest regret to today, not going to that fight. They were decent seats, too. That is a big time. I mean, that's like a, I mean, by the way, happy anniversary, by the way. Yeah, coming up on uh, <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> Day after release. So, happy, happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you. So, speaking of big, no kidding. Love you, <laughs> wow. Mel. Love you, Mel. I would never. You're an angel. Mel is an angel. She is. Excellent transition, Ramsey. So, just speaking of... Mel and the family, and our families. I want to thank everybody who has shared the post so far, shared our video. It's been insane. It hasn't been. Our fans are the best. I think we have. It was like 800 views last time I saw. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been going off. What are we talking about? This David Bakhtiar just sitting right next to us. We have one chug video that came one in the DMs, shot, and I cool. took the video myself. It was of... Uh, my girlfriend Shauna's brother-in-law Ben, Ben Kiefer, out in Minnesota, Hastings, Minnesota. We were out there for I hate her. Minnesota. I, I do too. He does too. Honestly, that's the kind of the funniest part is the neighborhood he lives in in Hastings. It's like all his surrounding neighbors are Packers and Brewers fans. Like they're all. Oh, so it's like a Packer. It's a. I wouldn't say it's a Packer neighborhood. It's a Wisconsin transplant it's neighborhood. It's just on the other side of the border. So it's just enough that. And the little, like I said, like the five or six people that he lives like directly next to, because you got one on each side or two on yeah. each side, and then two on the back side too. All Packers Brewers fans. Well, I mean, look at the alternative though: a Twins, Twins, Vikings, Vikings Timberwolves, Barf, dude, like the Minnesota Wild. We don't even have an NHL team, and it's still better than the Minnesota Wild. Did you mention that Barf? Ugh. Imagine being a Viking fan. So that's it. Nerds. Thanks for sharing the video. Continue to do so. We want to see some Chuck videos. Yeah, we do. Got to see more. We have only one so far. This awesome jersey, courtesy of Reward Gallery, Mitch Meinger, Jill, Wisconsin. Good rest of the hookup. 
gives us the hookup, but we want to give it to you. Yeah, we don't want. We it. are the hookup. Like, yeah, we don't want the jersey. Well, we do. We do. But we it want. It would look so cool in the new studio. It would. But we want you to have it. We want you to take it home and put it in your studio. Your your room. Your basement. Yeah, wherever. I don't care where you put it. I just want you to hang it up and look at it every day and be like, Root for Wisconsin. Damn, that was a good day. Yeah, that that's what we want. I mean, Jordan Fifield, one of our bigger fans, yeah. loves that Aaron Jones jersey. All loves over it. that thing. Yeah. I mean, so... Dave be like Jordan. Channel your inner Jordan. Yeah. Good not thing. Michael. Not, not, not Michael. Or, Fifield. My, or Michael B. Yeah. Did you see the Space Jam yet? I have not. Oof. That might be a Dis- tonight or... That might be a tonight. It, the movie's disappointing. No, no, I that you it. haven't seen it. It's disappointing. Have you seen it? Yeah. What is it? How is it? Give me a, a non-spoiler review real quick. It is a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. But so on... It came out, what, Thursday? Friday. Friday the 16th. Right. So on Thursday night, I watched the first Space Jam. Yep. Give me in the mood for Space Jam. Yep. I watched Space Jam 2 with LeBron in it. Yep. Not as good as Space Jam 1. Ooh. However... You have to appreciate it for what it is. And it, it's something, you got to watch it. It's worth the whatever, how much it is to rent it or whatever. I have HBO Max for free, though. So you, do you get you to watch for I free on there? Do you get to watch for free. Yeah. So if you, have, if, you, if you have the opportunity to watch it or even rent it, go rent it. It's worth the... Well, even if you got to go to the movie theater, $10. Yeah. Worth the, sure, 10 bucks. It, it's worth that to go see. It's definitely $10 worth of fun. There's a bunch of Easter eggs in it, so pay attention as you're going through the movie. I've heard um, that. That's been the biggest takeaway. LeBron's um, good. He kind of looks like an ass. Well, I mean, so watch it. I definitely go see it. It's worth the money. Go watch Space Jam too. You know, it's this, the whole Space Jam concept is really. It's kind of funny that it took twenty five years to make the new one because they had a number of like different variations they were going to do in the nineties, including like a NASCAR one with Jeff Gordon. I don't know if you knew really? that. Really? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, they had like, I think they had like a Tony Hawk one lined up. Um, Jeff Gordon's was about to be done. And when he hosted, he was like the first NASCAR driver to ever host Saturday Night Live. Um, that's kind of what sparked that was that, hey, let's do a NASCAR one. Because he also, if you remember when we were kids, he had the Looney Tunes car. Yeah. Yep. And so he's had different associations. Had two Looney Tunes Right, cars. exactly. In 2002 and 2003. Yeah. So around 2000, 2001 was supposed to be Space Jam NASCAR. I don't even know what they would have called it, but Space Jam NASCAR. You know, to be honest, I can't believe it took LeBron as long as as long as it did. Well, I know this has been rumored since probably 2015. And it would have been better 10 years ago. Probably. If it would have come out 10 years ago, it would have been better because it's kind of um, really playing to kids today. So if it would have played to the last generation of kids... Yeah. It would have been a better movie. That's disappointing. But go watch it. it. Yeah, no, no. It. It's a great movie. So one other piece of business, as we are just all over the place. This is awesome. One other piece of business here. Monkey Knife Fight. Go play along some contests. They've got baseball ones. They've got NBA Finals ones. They've got golf. I mean, there's still all the, you know, now that the majors are over, there's still mm-hmm. events every weekend. They've got, I'm sure they're going to have a bunch of stuff for the Olympics. Olympics starting this week, technically. I think opening ceremonies are Friday. I believe so. So plenty of stuff to go check out there. And then use your winnings to power your lifestyle like we power ours with Raise Energy. Code root for repsports.com. Code root for R-O-O-T, number four. 15% off any order on repsports.com. They've got so much good stuff. I got a, I had a can. I had to get up. 
way early for me, late for you. I was at work at 6.30 this morning. There you go. That was p- only powered by Ray's Energy. That's the only that's, way I got through That's how you got to get through the day. Yeah, I just started, you know, uh, raring Ray yeah. to go, popping Ray's. You don't got to worry about it. You're just on cruise control the rest of the day. Really, for real, though, you really are. So. And it's not one of those sports drinks or It's not like energy. an energy drink. It's not like a monster yeah. drink. It all jittery. It doesn't taste like, like monster no. energy. You know, every monster tastes the same. Yeah, it does. Just sugar Red Bull, and Red Bull tastes taurine. the same. I do love Red Bull, though. I, I do enjoy Red Bull sometimes. But it's no Rays. It's no Rays. That's for sure. See, they released a new flavor. They have two new ones. They're coming out with, uh, was it Rainbow? I That's believe so, yeah. So plenty of stuff going on over there. So with that said, we get into the actual business of the episode. We're going to be a little more focused from here on out. Hopefully. Probably. Maybe. What we had rooted for, sponsored by Fanatics, whether you're on top of the world or on the bottom of a rebuild, get your Fanatics gear. Hopefully some Bucks championship gear tomorrow night, tonight, whenever, you know, listen to this. Last night, get that championship gear flowing. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a Detroit Lions fan and you're kind of on the bottom of the world and hating your existence. They have fans? Apparently. I mean, really? I've never, I've never met one. I have met two in my life, and I feel so bad for them. I don't feel bad. They've made bad decisions. They did. But they are loyal. If, you, if you're single out there, date yourself a Lions fan. They will not cheat on you. They are loyal people. That's, that's my advice for the day. That's my Ask Eric for the date day. Date a Lions fan. Date a Lions fan. No, they're probably a loser. Well, don't date a Vikings fan because you'll never get a ring. <laughs> and you have to listen to Skull chant. Skull. We're a bunch of nerds. Skull. Skull, yeah, I can't do that. But Anyway. Anyway. So... What did we root for this last week, Ramsey? What What is your number one thing you rooted for? I was rooting for the New Hampshire race Okay, over the weekend. And honestly, it was probably one of the best NASCAR races of the season so far. Why is that? There was controversy. It was a lot of different people running up front that don't haven't necessarily run well all season. Um, so what kind of controversy? Give, give me a... I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I was coming back so from Minnesota. So NASCAR didn't call a red flag right at the beginning of the race. I believe it was like six laps in. Kyle Busch drives down into turn number one, okay, dumps his car, this. throws it in the wall, this. then hits the pace car. It was Ooh. great. It was classic Kyle Busch, who just doesn't give a shit at that point. Like, mm-hmm. he told his car, he's going for it. And then we had Eric Abrola win, who the guys been running like low 20s all mm-hmm. season. Comes through with an We've been talking about him like on as possibly on his way out because he can't maintain that. I still think he's on the way out. I don't think this win necessarily changed anything. No, but I'm just saying, like, that's what I'm saying. The conversation yeah. around him has been he's maybe washed. he's on his way out of yeah. Sturt Haas because he can't keep that 10 car where it should be in theory. And he had a really good run. I don't necessarily think that it was. If the race, they cut a 10 lap short because of they didn't have lights at the track. Mm-hmm. So it was getting low on lights. So. They cut the race 10 laps short. Christopher Bell, if they would have gave it the last 10 laps of cut out, mm-hmm. would have caught him and probably would have passed him. Okay. He was faster. But that's just not how it worked that day. Eric Almirola, big win. He kind of screws up the points, the playoff standings right now. Kevin Harvick's in one of the last and spots. That was going to be, we'll get into that here okay. in a little bit. Okay. I see where you're going with this. I see where you're going with this. Um, what did you root for? I rooted for the Milwaukee Brewers, like always. And I, we'll, we're going to talk about a little bit more Brewers here in a little bit. Are they so, good or something? Came out of the All-Star break, three straight dubs over the Cincinnati Reds. Who's also a good team, correct? They are second place in the NL Central. Yeah. 
Brewers took that lead. It was a four-game lead coming into the all or coming out of the All-Star break. It's now sitting at seven. The Brewers came in or came from behind on Saturday. And I believe they also did Friday night too. So just good stuff all the way around. I think on Friday night they were trailing at one point four to one. Came back and won seven to four. What a time to be a Milwaukee sports fan, huh? It it really is. I mean, you have a team in Milwaukee that is probably one bullpen arm away from being even more dominant. Can they acquire that arm? The, the trade deadline's coming up, correct? Yep, trade deadline will be coming up towards the end of July. We're going to have Matt Polly, who joined us when you weren't actually with us, um, in a couple weeks. So he will be joining us, not next week's episode, but the following week, okay. to talk MLB trade deadline and talk about everything. Actually, I think he's next week. I take that back. He is next We're week. We're the third week in July already. That's insane. Fourth of July is three weekends ago. That's insane. Yep. So Someone's Matt Polly will be joining us next week. So just a programming note, should the Bucks win, we will have a Bucks special episode in some capacity. Either if it is six or game six seven. Six or seven, we will do something just Bucks to celebrate. If, if it goes seven, they're going to be playing on... I believe it'd be Thursday or Friday. Huh. Probably Friday. So if it goes to seven, which we'll get into that here in a little bit, we will have a... Should they win, we will have a Bucks centric episode. Even if they don't win, we'll probably do something. Just uh, oh, we don't even talk about losers. Yeah, but Eric just rolled his eyes at me pretty hard. I, we probably would have to talk about it, but it'd probably be like to the fact that they would blow two games in a row. It'd probably be like a lot of Nuggie Kevin King dumpster fire territory, which, as a Wisconsin sports fan, might happen. Yeah, so. We will be. We will have programming specific to the Bucks at some point. We'll update you later, uh, according to Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, but in the meantime, here Matt Polly will be joining us next week. Talk Brewers. Talk about the All Star. You know the, where we are to this point, and give a little trade deadline preview. Trade deadline will be, I think, the thirtieth, uh, which will be next Friday. So, what's your early prediction on the trade deadline? Are I they going to make a move? They have to. Okay. And just how baseballs is. They're, I think they're, like I said, I think they're one solid bullpen arm away. Doesn't, it's not going to be a name that pops off the page to you. But it's going to be a guy who can pitch the seventh inning or can pitch the eighth when Devin Williams needs a rest. Or, it's kind of like a setup guy. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a setup guy, but not like a true setup guy because Devin Williams is your true setup. He's your yeah. eighth inning guy. Yeah. Josh Hader is your ninth inning guy. Right now, they need a cons- – consistent is not even the right word because they have a lot of good arms that can pitch the seventh. But they also have guys that, like, because they've played a lot of extra inning games. So you need a guy that can pitch the 10th if, you know, you use one of those guys in the 7th. So you just need one more. One more solid bullpen arm. And Maybe I, a bat? I, I don't know. If the right person became available through There's the There's been a lot of talk about Eduardo Escobar, who is the third baseman for the, the pitiful Arizona Diamondbacks. Eduardo Escobar would be a rental player who is a free agent at the end of the year. He's playing. He was an all-star. He was an all-star starter, I believe, uh, last week from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Played third base, and actually, I don't think he was a starter. Either way, he was an all-star. He's been playing at a very high level. Just Arizona's gonna be sellers are the worst team in baseball right now. So he's kind of been talked about and thrown around, but that's also before Luis Urias has been hitting the ball too. If you looked up like an article, say two three weeks ago, 
about Brewers trade deadline talk, it would have been third base and bullpen arm. And not that the Brewers' bullpen's bad. You have a lot of youth right now. You've got Miguel Sanchez, who's made his MLB debut earlier this year. You had Jake Cousins, who's made his MLB debut earlier this year. Maybe and, just uh, a veteran. Yeah, exactly. A that. veteran like I said, voice uh, in the bullpen. It's going to be a guy who you probably haven't heard of. Uh, a couple names being thrown around. There was Richard Rodriguez out of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's technically their closer right now. But if you remember back, and I don't know if you'll remember this, but to our fans, our listeners, if you look back at like 2018. The Pirates were really good, right? The Pirates, well, the Pirates were good probably like 2015. Okay. But the, if you look back at 2018, one of the keys to success for the Brewers was if you got to the sixth inning and you were winning, that thing was done. Because you had Jeremy Jeffress, you had Josh Hader, and you had Corey Knable, and you could pitch them in any order. Right. And it was lights out. The Brewers are knocking on the door of that. Like I said, you have Devin Williams, who's uh, he just got put in the IL, but um, has been lights out as of late. He still has, despite his kind of rockier year, mm-hmm. which was going to happen because last year he was just unworldly. He was the reliever of the year and rookie of the year for the National League. So you're going to have some. Right, you're have. It's just natural. He's still in the 96th percentile of strikeouts this season. Yeah. So just the fact, like I said, you're going to have some coming back down to earth, but he's been really quietly really good lately. Mm-hmm. You still have Josh Hader, who before the All-Star break had not blown a save until the final weekend before the All-Star break. So he's been lights out. So one of the best closers in baseball right now? Without a doubt. So you've had, and the only problem, I mean, in terms of saves, he doesn't have as many because the Brewers have won so many games where it's not a save situation. Right. And... So you're missing out a little bit there just in terms of the saves, but it's a useless stat anyway. Okay. So you have that guy. You have, like I said, you have that youth movement. You have a, a couple veteran guys out there. You have Hunter Strickland, who they had acquired earlier this year. You have Brent Suter, who's been around for forever. Leads the team in wins. He's got nine wins. He's a guy out of the bullpen who has nine wins because he always pitches like the 10th inning or something like that when they get the extra innings wins. Is there anyone in the farm system that we could pull up yet? Or There's that... guys that they can go if they need to. Okay. That's, the, that's the really nice thing about the Brewers setup right now. Um, he had a really, not a great debut, but Aaron Ashby has been a name that's been thrown around. Uh, Ethan Small has been thrown around as a guy that you could see since spring training. I think Justin actually had given me crap for no one wants to see Aaron Ashby pitch to Justin Turner or something, you know, something stupid. No one does. But if it's coming down to playoff time, and Aaron Ashby is an arm you need out of the bullpen. Kind of like Corbin Burns was 2018. Brandon Woodruff was 2018. Both those guys who are Cy Young candidates right now were guys who pitched out of the bullpen in 2018. Same with right. Freddie Peralta, actually. All three of those guys. All three of those guys all-stars this year. All three of them Cy Young candidates were bullpen arms in 2018. That's just how you kind of... Right, that's you, you advance through right. the rotation. So Aaron Ashby, Ethan Small, two names you could see get called up later this year. But like I said, a solid bullpen arm, maybe a bat if you want to go all in on a bat. You don't have to, I don't think, but you could. But if someone was available, it wouldn't hurt, correct? If you got the right deal, um, I think the Brewers really only truly have one untouchable prospect right now, and that's Garrett Mitchell. So are they getting to the point where they're talking about potentially not selling out, but kind of being... To empty the farm system a little bit to make a World Series run, or well, is that see, not Brewers, necessarily Brewers? The Brewers are kind of in a in an awkward spot as a franchise where they've kind of done that, where they've kind of emptied the farm system at different points over the last four years, really. Yeah. But 
each year, I mean, they usually get a guy or two that they can kind of, like two years ago, um, it was Mauricio Dubon, who they traded to the San Francisco Giants for Drew Pomeranz. Drew Pomeranz is a one-year rental pitcher, got into the postseason, played some, pitched some big innings to get them to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years before that, it was trading Brett Phillips and another prospect to the Royals to get Mike Moustakas, who was a big bat for them. Yeah. So you have guys that are kind of common household names that you could see dealt in. And there's good value in the Brewers farm system, even though they're not like, they're probably like the, usually like the 25th ranked farm system because they don't have that top 100 prospect. Because that's kind of the, the risk you run of being a really good franchise is you sell your prospects at one point or another, so you don't have a top-heavy farm system. And then, guys, you know, you're not drafting as high up either. Right, so you're you're not not, getting those top... You're not getting those top, you know, top 100 prospects either. But then you get a guy, like, you know, a couple names have been thrown on. Mario Feliciano, who's made his Brewers debut this year, too. He may play, but he played one game. But you'll see a guy like him be kind of thrown around because you have good depth at catcher. Right. You'll have a guy like Bryce Terang, who is the Brewers' second prospect, who's been kind of could be tossed around if need be. Mm-hmm. So you'll have guys like, you know, who could make an impact on another team, like in their organization, but just not necessarily. But aren't here. a top 100 prospect. Garrett Mitchell is a guy they are not going to trade. Okay. Just the way it is. Plus, when you consider the depth at center field specifically, which is where he plays. You kind of run into a little bit of a buzz. Like, yes, you have Lorenzo Kane, who hasn't played since in a while. I, I don't even know the date that he went out again. Is that injury or is that? It's just... been a lot of injury. But he also he took last year off from COVID. 2019 wasn't his best campaign. So you've seen a little bit of a downward decline there. You have Jackie Bradley Jr. He's actually figuring it out in July, but it's it's finally in July. Right. And he's only on he's on a team friend, I think, two year deal. So there is a path for Garrett Mitchell, who would have been the first-round pick from last year, to get to that point. So I think he's a guy that you kind of have to hold on to unless you're desperately going all out for a, a big name. And I don't think you need to go out for a big name, like a starting pick. Remember, like, two, three years ago, I was said like, Trevor Bauer right. or Walker Bueller or, you know, guy on a different team who, whatever. If you're going to go all up for a trade two years ago, you can do that for a pitcher. Now you have three of the best pitchers in baseball. You don't have to do that. But it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt, but it's just it's not a necessity that you have to go all out for and get rid of that top prospect right now. Because they're and granted, you know, knock on wood, their health's been so great where you don't have to do that. Right. So you've been so, healthy enough that it's kind of I don't think there's really a candidate out there that you would trade Garrett Mitchell for right now anyway. Unless, again, unless the right deal happened to come across. And... and to do that, you'd have to get a guy who kind of was in a similar position to Christian Yelich when they traded for him, where he had team-friendly arbitration years coming up, and that you know you're going to extend for a long time. Right. And that guy's probably not popping up at the deadline, I'm going to assume. No, because the trade deadline, baseball actually has, I think, we've talked about it before, they have the best all-star game. They also generally have the most interesting trade deadline, too. Well, but it's one of those sports that one player means a big deal. Well, right. And like the NBA, the NBA's trade that doesn't get so hyped up, but it just falls flat. Especially as me personally, being such a big baseball fan, that it just kind of falls flat by comparison to that. Well, and that's, that's a different... So the NBA is 
it falls flat every single year because of how hard it is to come by true stars mm -hmm. and how hard it is to come by true number twos and number threes. Right. Whereas baseball, it seems like the gap between a true star and a number four isn't quite as far as it is in basketball. More or less, but you also, like I said, just the, how the trade deadline works and how there's less team. I mean, granted, there's more teams that get in the playoffs now than there ever has been, except last year because of COVID. But it's still a more limited field, all things considered. Right, so you only have a few true You have five teams. playoff teams in each division. out of So right. you, have 50, you have 10 out of 30, whereas basketball has 16 out of 30. The right. NFL has 14 out of 32. Right. So those leagues have like half. Almost half the league gets in. Baseball has a third. Right. So, anyway, I digress. So, while we're talking about prospects real quick, did you see that kid from Coleman got drafted by I the did. Phillies? I did share that. Uh, I had. I, I don't remember him. I really wish I did. So, shout out. I have to pull up his name here. But shout out to the kid from Coleman who was playing in Minnesota high school, or college and uh, got drafted Late in the MLB draft by the Phillies, he still has an option. He's still a junior in college. So if he wants to not sign, he can still go back for one more year and play for one more year in college, maybe get that draft standing up. So why don't you just tell everyone, so when you get drafted by an MLB team, what does that Matt mean? Matt Osterberg, uh, who graduated class of 2017 from Coleman. So I did cross paths with him at some point. He was a four-year letter winner. I can't say I remember him my senior year, mm -hmm. but I definitely played against him. Right. So baseball, baseball's got a really interesting draft process because you can get drafted and you don't have to sign with that team and you can still continue to play. Okay. So you'll see a lot of guys get drafted out of high school and then not go pro. They'll go play college somewhere. Okay. Personally, I don't really, I mean, if you're a later up round pick, I kind of get it. But if you're a top, let's just say a top half player. Probably first four or five rounds, I don't personally get, unless you're, I shouldn't say it this way, because, you know, college is important and getting that education and stuff like that. But those guys are the ones getting the signing bonus and stuff like that. But you don't really get a whole lot of money outside of probably those first three or four rounds. Right. So if you can go get your college education, actually baseball is going to be a great sport to see how yeah. that works. Yeah, oh, oh, well, every sport. But baseball is going to be a great one because guys will probably actually make more in college than they would as a minor league baseball player. So is that going to dilute the major league product, product a little bit, or is that just going to make the college product that much better? I don't know. Because, I mean, you see guys like Bryce Terang, the guy I was just talking about for the Brewers, mm -hmm. is an excellent, he's a first-round draft pick by the Brewers. He had an offer go to LSU, which has pumped out some great players, a.k.a. Alex Bregman, same position, same kind of player, as Bryce Terang. Their, uh, their, their comparison is their numbers, their style of play, their speed, all that stuff lines up very well. So Bregman went to LSU. Okay. Terang said, nah, I'm going to come out of high school. But if you come out of high school and you get drafted, you don't have to go pro. You can't negotiate with any other teams, but you can choose to go to college. Right. So if you go to college, I believe you're locked in for at least your first three years. Okay. So year four, you get put back in the draft year lottery? Year three. So as a junior, you can go back out if you want to. You have to be a freshman, sophomore. I'm pretty certain in that. So Matt, kid from Coleman, was a junior when he got drafted. 
So if he chooses to, he can go back to college. He doesn't have to. He was, uh, like I said, a late 20-round pick. Um, but he can if he chooses to. He is playing for the St. Cloud State. So if he wants to go back to St. Cloud State, maybe see if he can get that that repertoire up a little bit, you know, add another pitch, something like that, maybe improve that draft stock. He can. Uh, to this point, I don't think he's made a decision from what I can see. But all in all, just amazing for him. I believe he'll probably be the first pro athlete from like the MNO in quite some time. In like 40 years, yeah. Uh, I would say uh, there's been a couple guys in the NFL from Krivitz. There was a fullback for the Raiders back in like the 80s. Yeah. Um, which, shit, that is 40, almost 40 years ago. There was a basketball player from Wasaki. Went to, it wasn't even the basketball player from Wasaki. I know who you're talking about, but it wasn't Piper. Peeper. It wasn't Anthony Peeper because he was like the state's leading scorer all the mm-hmm. time. But it wasn't him. I thought he played in Europe. He might have, but I'm like, not to diminish what he did, but true professional athlete. American professional athlete. Yeah. So all in all, though, just incredible accomplishment. Um, it's been a while since the area had a person go pro. I mean, even I mean, you get a couple from Green Bay every year, a couple years. Uh, you had actually one. You had a first round draft pick out of the state of Wisconsin towards the end of the first round. Uh, you did have another kid who, another prep uh, kid who got out of high school, got drafted by the Brewers in like the third round, out of the Milwaukee area. Now uh, Matt Osterberg. So, hats off to all them. Uh, you know what we haven't done yet? Our noogies of the week. No, but I think we've had an excellent show to this point. I do too. So. I guess we can transition. Great time to we talk so many positives and just done so great. No give the week time, Rams. Eric, I'm gonna hand this off to you because I didn't have a good segue. So you did though. I mean, no, I have a better segue. Okay. After okay. the noogie. Okay. So my noogie of the week. I think I'm gonna go to the Suns fan who counted money during the honest free throws. What a nerd! And I loved. I was there for every meme that's been made of this dude. So first, there was the ones of, dude, put your rent money away. Put it back in your bank account before you lose it. I've seen the ones where it's like he's got Kohl's cash or Scoopy tokens for Culver's. All those different memes have been made. I learned today at the time, like right before we started recording, that I am one degree of separation away from him. My Johnny Manziel jersey that's sitting here in our studio is friends with that guy. So I know a guy who knows a guy who knows the guy. But still, the fact that you're sitting there counting money still after a, what, 30-point swing yeah. in Game 5 of the NBA Finals, and you're going to... I mean, good, I mean that's, what the fan, that's what fans got to do. But just, oh, man, that was a bad look. And, that was, and the, the, the TV crew kept going to him. That's well, the amazing part. My question is, who the hell brings... Because he had 1200 bucks cash, mm-hmm. at least. So probably, all hundreds. All hundreds. He probably too. had $2,000 cash on him. Who brings that to a basketball game? Yeah, and who brings that as hundreds? Yeah, who brings like two thousand dollars cash? Who just walks around with that kind of money? This guy. His name's Brian. I mean, like Brian I've, does. I've walked around <laughs> with that kind of money before, but going to like buy something. Yeah, right? like I don't directly on my way to buy buy something. I don't just usually walk around with two grand cash. Yeah, his his name's Brian though. So 
my nuggie goes to Brian, and I would I want to give a quick shout out to all the Brewers fan or Bucks fans, NBA fans who have mocked this guy relentlessly. Good for you for making your moment, you know, your fifteen minutes of fame, but uh, it's kind of a nuggie, bro. Ramsey. So I actually have two nuggies this week. Okay. So I'm gonna start with uh, NASCAR. Having a sixteen team format for their playoff system. Okay. Where Denny Hamlin right now. Oh, by the way, it's Brandon, not Brian. Brandon. Brandon is the noogie. Brandon's a noogie? Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Sons do shit. It's counting hundreds. So NASCAR has a 16-team playoff. And right now, the current points leader is Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin is in front of Kyle Larson by like 80 points or something like that. Which is insane. He, 80 points is like two races. Yeah. And that, like I said, it's just insane the fact that Kyle Larson has won four points races. Denny Hamlin has not. They have the same amount of top fives. And... Denny Hamlin is currently what I believe, if you look at the points, thing, like 13th. Mm-hmm. There's a scenario where your points leader, who's leading the points by almost two full races, could miss the playoffs because of how the wins fall. Right. So I'm kind of over the whole thing with NASCAR of we're just going to let these teams win. And someone like Eric Amarola who is 27th in points going into the weekend, could end up taking a spot away from Denny Hamlin, who's 80 points up on Kyle Larson, first place in the point standings. Right. And you're going to start your playoff system, and that doesn't matter. And that traditionally NASCAR has not been that way. It's been that way for about the last 15 years. And I think the sport is kind of watering down their champion a little bit. That's fair. Even Chase Elliott last year did wasn't the necessarily deserved champion. Mm-hmm. He was about a fifth place car all year. He got hot in the last four races and he won two. Won two, and that's all it has to be in NASCAR right now is that you just have to get hot for about three weeks of the, end of the season. At three tracks that arguably aren't for everyone, like it's usually Texas, Martinsville, Phoenix. And Martinsville and Phoenix are short tracks, which don't necessarily play to the majority of the schedule. And in Texas, who's a mile and a half, that, again, doesn't necessarily play to the rest of the schedule. It's kind of a one- to two-roof track mm-hmm. that certain drivers traditionally have dominated over the last few years. So the fact that we're determining points champions by three races that aren't necessarily your median track is just mind-boggling to me. And there's a definitely, especially with Daytona and two road courses at the end of the season, two or three races that very easily could be won by people that haven't won a race so far this year. Mm-hmm. Like Ross Chastain and Kyle, Lar- or Ross Chastain, um, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick. Those are all three guys that could definitely win on a road course who've ran very well the last three road courses they've ran. And knock someone like Denny Hamlin, who's technically the points leader out of the playoffs, just because. Well, let's even look at Chris Buescher, who's like in that kind of that yeah. first outside spot. Technically speaking, you could have—I mean, you could have a situation where Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin both don't make the playoff, and they're—it's very likely. It's very realistic. I shouldn't say likely, but very realistic that you could have your. Those guys are both on top five of points if it's not for wins included. So just your point standings. You have two guys in the top five that could get bumped out just because they didn't win a race. And I get winning a race is important, and you don't necessarily want... Wait, 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 wait. It's the only thing that matters, Ramsey. Trophies in the case, Ramsey. In NASCAR, it's not necessarily <laughs> I know. true. 
I, I, I had to. Because you, know you, you can put it, you can put it, well, Ryan Newman. You, you know Justin, if Justin was here with us, well, what the heck, Ramsey? <laughs> I'm just saying, Ryan Newman in 2014 lost the championship by one point and didn't win a race. Yeah. So NASCAR is a little bit different where you can win a championship without having to have the most wins, and that's what it's been forever. Usually whoever has the most wins doesn't actually win the championship at the end of the day. Yeah. It's just kind of this disappointing that someone like Denny Hamlin, who's up 300 points in the cut line, could mm-hmm. not make the playoffs. That's insane. So you had two, so that's one. The other noogie of the week is going to be me. Okay. I'm so, really curious where we're going with this, but... On the Bucks take, I, th- I realized two or three things on the drive home today. Okay. I think Milwaukee's the better team today. Okay. And I say that because their size is better. They're a better veteran-led team who's kind of just leaning on a Phoenix team. And I should have saw it in game three after they got smoked. They sat Devin Booker down in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. The series has been nothing but Milwaukee the rest of the way. I got to say, I will give you, I'm not going to bear you here because you have said something on these airwaves that, was, that has proven to be true. And that statement you said was that if Milwaukee comes and ties this up, their veteran leadership, their more physical team, outside of Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, there's a lot of youth in Phoenix right now. Phoenix is in a good spot as a franchise as a whole. They're not probably. I I don't think they're going to win a championship this year, but they're in a good spot as a franchise as a whole. They've got a lot of youth, a lot of good talent there. They don't have a lot of guys who are used to being in that moment. Mm-hmm. But like, not even the NBA Finals, but just playoff experience at all. I mean, a lot of these guys. Devin Booker, he was a one and done, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. DeAndre. Ayton DeAndre Ayton was, was a one and done. done. So these guys, they don't have that. You know. They don't have playoff experience. Like this was a, a lottery team two years ago. Yeah, and I mean, in all reality, even looking back, if we if so, if we went back a few weeks and or I guess two weeks now and said at the start of the series, who do you think is going to win? I still probably would take Phoenix. I think Phoenix, if they had to get out and win Game Three, or not even necessarily win Game Three, but be competitive in Game Three, they had to win Game Four. They had to go back to Phoenix three yep. one. They had to, and that's just the nature of how this play has went. And I think that Milwaukee, I still don't think Chris Middleton's necessarily a two, but I think Giannis really likes Chris Middleton. Yeah. And if nothing else, that's been huge in the playoffs, is just that those two get along and they understand each other. Well, and I was just going to say, even even off the court stuff, because we're talking kind of off the court stuff, even on the court, their games complement each other really well. Uh, yeah, no. I think Com- combined with a true point guard like we saw Drew Holiday. And granted, Drew Holiday, I was so torn on him after game four. He was four of twenty, but he played incredible defense. He's the guy that like in high school, everybody played with a Drew Holiday where he wasn't gonna take shots or he is could probably might miss the shot, but he's gotta be out there for his leadership. He's gotta be out there because he can handle the ball better than anybody else on the floor. And he's gonna play big defense late in the game. Everyone played with that guy in high school or in rec league. or You've always played with that guy. You have to have him because you're going to have games like game four. But then you're going to have games like game five where Drew Holiday was incredible in game five. And he was really the difference maker in that game. He was a facilitator. I well, mean, looking at the stats, I had the stats uh, pulled up here. See the segue into the Sunstock? Yeah, we can. I mean, we, we had some stuff. Would you say a segue? Remember I said I had a segue? Yeah, you did. You did. Just segue it right in. 
So game five, Drew Holiday goes 12 of 20 from the floor, 27 points, 13 assists, and four rebounds. Well, and the biggest thing that Drew Holiday has done in this series that isn't a stat is he's pretty much exclusively a guard of Chris Paul. And Chris Paul looks tired. Yeah. You know, when you get leaned on by Drew Holiday, who I believe is, what, 6'3", probably 205? Drew Holiday is exactly 6'3", 205. And Chris Paul is, they list him at six foot. He's not six foot. Right. And buck 75. So Chris Paul looks like he has been leaned on by a considerably bigger player Mm -hmm. for five games. Mm -hmm. And he looks tired. And there was a lot of talk about how what should Phoenix do after the season. And Chris Paul is looking for that four-year max deal. And at this point, man, if Phoenix, if you're listening, you want to stay away from that with – you just want to say no. Like, you've got your guys. If you're, if you're Phoenix, you've got Devin Booker. DeAndre. You've got DeAndre Ayton. You've got – Got you've got role guys there too. You've got a Jay Crowder, you've got a Tory Craig, you've got a campaign. Honestly, if I was Phoenix, I'd be looking at Devin Booker or uh, not Devin Booker, uh, Damian Lillard. That too. I would I would sell whatever you need for Damian Lillard and pair him with Devin Booker, because that's that would be a championship winning roster. And you might have to go DeAndre Ayton for that, but you can replace DeAndre Ayton. I don't necessarily think that you're going to be able to get a true replacement for Chris Paul next year. Chris Paul's been really big on the leadership side of stuff. But even in his playoffs, he hasn't... It's not the same Chris Paul that we saw against the Clippers. No. And I guess that's one of the other reasons that I should have saw Because he just hasn't been the same. He hasn't had that same explosiveness that well, let's, he did. Let's be honest here. He's, he's been D'd up better. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Milwaukee, and I, I said this coming in, Milwaukee is a was probably the one of the deepest teams coming into the playoffs. Yep. They've been considerably healthy. You know, Giannis's knee injury aside, which by the way, considering the fact that he came into probably game one playing maybe 80%. Yeah, if that. And has had two of the more iconic NBA Finals moments in the last outside of the LeBron chase down block in the last 10 years. Yeah. He's had two of those big moments. You forget about the leg injury. Well, and you know what's crazy? We have the replay up right now in the studio. And of game five. You're, you look at Milwaukee, they're considerably bigger than Phoenix is. They're bigger. They're longer. And they are more physical. And the thing that's really impressed me the most about Milwaukee thus far, and I said this in the first round against the Heat, when that game one happened, game one went to overtime against Miami Heat. They ended up sweeping that series. Milwaukee in the past has folded time and time again yeah. in those situations. Even last year. Yep. They fold against the Heat last year. Year before that, they fold was that the Eastern Conference Finals year? No, that was two, two years, years ago. ago. Regardless. They fold there. They fold against Toronto. Even this postseason, the game what two against Atlanta, they have blown out pretty big. Game one, come back. That doesn't usually happen where they come back and punch you back Brooklyn. in the mouth. Brooklyn. No, even Atlanta. Yeah. And then on top of that, Brooklyn. Brooklyn game three. That series was over. We came on this podcast and we're like... Game five. Game five against Brooklyn. Even three. 
Game three, game three when, they won. Right. It was ugly, but they won. But I'm saying going into game three. Yeah. Because I think we recorded between game two and three. You're right. You're right. We said that series is over. Yeah. And they've been down, aside from the Miami series, they've lost game one every single series. That's true. Yeah. And th- that's usually not how... Milwaukee's really good once they get a lead on you. And they can kind of be more physical with you. And for what it's worth, they haven't had those leads in early in series so far, and they've still been able to rally back. They've well, even let's look at Game Five. Game Five, they were getting dominated in the first quarter. I don't and, think so. I because me and Mel are watching the game, and she happened to get up and she walked into the kitchen down when they were down fifteen. Right. And she's like, "Oh, they're down 15. I'm like, "Yeah, it's okay. It's early." They'll well, be that, back. That's just the NBA as a whole, though. A 15-point lead is not erasable anymore. Not what it used to be. No. You know, 10 years ago, 15 points was game over. Yeah. You're not coming back from 15 down. In the NBA now, 15 points is five possessions. Like, that's... Yeah. And, and it, I think you said earlier in this pod, they had a 30-point swing from quarter... End of quarter one to the end of quarter three, correct? I think it was 30-point swing. Something like that, yeah. I think at the end of end of the first they were down fifteen, mm-hmm. and then by the end of the third they were up fifteen. Am I remembering that correct? I believe so. I have the I'll have the stats right in front of me here. So let's uh, take a look at the the stats here. But no, absolutely. I mean, you look at everything that, like I said, they've just answered every punch, and that they've yep. made me into a believer. And that's where the whole Wisconsin sports thing comes in. They've made me into a believer. Yeah, and I thought the series was over. I thought they go, Phoenix was up o two or two o. From the se- from the second quarter, or from the end of the first through the fourth, so the second and third quarters, Milwaukee outscored Phoenix seventy nine to fifty three. So twenty six points. So thirty points win. Yeah, that's pretty good math by old Ramsey who went to Zurich. I don't have thirty toes to count. So. <laughs> um. But they, I've been impressed with the Bucks because they've done something that I didn't necessarily think they could do. Was play up tempo enough with Phoenix, and still be in control. Does that does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. Phoenix so far in these playoffs have played. They've they've played enough Phoenix style basketball while maintaining their own. Yeah, and I didn't think they were gonna be able to do that. I thought, especially after game two. Mm-hmm. They were out coached, outworked, outplayed. Yeah. Since then, it's not they have not been outplayed really at all. Maybe there's been a few stretches where Phoenix has outplayed them. You look at quarter quarter three of game four, and quarter quarter one of game five. Yeah, and maybe you can even argue quarter four of game five. They outplayed yeah. them for the first nine minutes or so, but. But even game five, like, that's another moment where in the past, you know, as you kind of watch the lead dwindle away, it was a one-point game at one point. Yeah, and then you get a big and defensive stop. and Drew Holiday gets a steal and creates a second iconic play where 13, 14 seconds left, goes down, labs it up to Giannis. I, Drew Holiday's quote on that, by the way, was, I saw Giannis call him for the ball. I heard him screaming, and I threw it as hard as I could. That's Drew Holiday. He almost overthrew him too. Yeah, Giannis. Giannis it's a good thing Giannis is like has like a nine foot wingspan because he almost hit his head on the backboard. Yeah, 
Which that is doesn't help when Chris Paul pushes you into it, too. It's but. insane. Think about that. Well, we'll be able to hit your head on the backboard. Yeah, we're watching right now. Like I said, we're watching the replay. It's a three-point game with a minute nine left. And Phoenix is rolling. Yeah, Phoenix couldn't miss. Devin Booker couldn't miss. And then Giannis gets the end one, misses the free throw, gets the board, taps it out. Middleton gets fouled, misses the first one. Coming down that stretch run, that last yeah. 12 seconds, whatever it ends up being, seals the game. And, you know... And potentially seals the series. One of the things that I was... I heard today was that, you know, that was one of the reasons I thought Phoenix was going to win. They were a lot better from the line, right? Mm-hmm. Phoenix shoots. They, I believe they were on pace for a record at one point for the highest free throw percentage in this postseason. They, well, you look at, let's just look at game one. They were 25 of 26. Right. But one thing I've... Even, uh, even game five, Ramsey, they were 10 of 11. Right. But one thing I heard today, and you're going to see this, and when I say it, you're going to think I'm crazy. Free throws don't matter. Giannis' free throw percentage does not matter. Because Phoenix shot, what, 11, correct? 10 of 11, yeah. And Giannis shot how many free throws by himself? By himself, Giannis would go on to shoot 11 himself. He was 4 of 11. Right. So Giannis has as many points for line as Phoenix does as a team. So the fact that Giannis is shooting 45% at some points in these playoffs, mm-hmm. he's still living at the free throw line. And... Someone said that to me today. They're like, free throws don't matter. This post is his 55%. 55.6. Right, but there's been points where it's been below 40 or below 50. Yeah. There's been stretches where it's been below 50% from the free throw line. But I, like someone said to me today, they're like, free throws don't matter. Giannis is getting to the line as much as Phoenix is as a team. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, you're right. It's more about a quantity over quality thing from the line. Yeah, sure. It'd be nice if he was if he's made all forty of his free Eight throws. Eight of eleven, set of eleven. Right, but he's still getting the line. Mm-hmm. He's getting the line as much as Phoenix is. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting fact of. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and just to kind of go back and channel one other thing because I, I it's something I've talked about that we got a national media talked a little bit about in Game Five was the Bucks bench. Has been it. It hasn't always been like a, it hasn't been like a entire bench effort. You, you've had two guys that have been just unreal this series, and that's been Bobby Portis for making that defensive matchup on DeAndre Ayton. It's been Pat Connaughton. Pat, Pat Connaughton has probably bought himself a new contract because I, I don't think he's a free agent after this season. But whenever he's a free agent, if he plays. Half as good as he has the last couple years, or this this, this postseason as a whole. Because I remember, I remember that Miami series. People were like, "Why is Pat Connaughton getting playoff minutes? Why is Pat Con? This is what Pat Connaughton." I didn't getting think I said series. that. I, I believe on this podcast I said, "Why is Pat Connaughton shooting the ball as much as he is?" Pat Connaughton has the most made three pointers in this finals. I know, he's been excellent, and it's one of those things. He was plus ten in game five. He was plus twenty one in game four. I believe he's been one of the only players that's been consistently plus in the plus minus. I think the only game he wasn't was game two. And I I'll double check that. And was any I don't think there's a single buck that I think Giannis, Giannis was. was plus one. Giannis was the only buck that was positive. So but Pat Connaughton's been the second behind that of playing big minutes where he's been big on the floor. And it's been 
either said though, the Bucks need to be careful on how they go forward from here. And it happens to every championship team that you overpay that one player you're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Pat Connaughton could be that guy that you don't want to pay $11 million a year for coming off the bench. Right. But win a championship and it makes a lot of those problems go away. Like I said, I don't even know if he's if it's a contract in Milwaukee, but what it Someone's will be a contract him. at some point somewhere, whether that be a trade that he's maybe overvalued, whatever the situation is going to be, it's going to be something. And just like I said, just the fact that he's gotten to this point, I could not be happier for the dude. He's been such a key bench player. Like I said, not not a guy who's going to go out and get you his career average. I have to find here, but his career scoring average is maybe six points, seven points, something like that. Yeah, but those seven points, he's been consistent having seven points. You know, that's for what, like I said, for what it's worth. I mean, even the Chris Middleton contract. I guess if you win a championship, he's his career averages. He's averaged five point two points a game. He's averaged seventeen minutes a game, and this is his sixth year in the NBA. Yeah, so he must be due for a contract. It'll be coming up. I know that. Either this year or next year, probably. But even the Chris Milton contract, I guess, I still think he's overrated. But if they win a championship, I guess it's worth it, right? Yeah, that's ultimately what's always going to come down to. And, uh, you know, for I will continue to say that Chris Milton's contract, he's overpaid nowhere. He should not be anywhere near what he's making. Mm-hmm. But, again, like I said before, you're putting trophies in the case, I guess it doesn't matter. And again, the Bucks have done some stuff that I didn't think that was possible for them to do. So, yeah. So I mean, we just a couple other things to kind of look at here. I guess you know we can we might as well do it right now. Predictions, game six. I think this thing's done. So do I, I. I don't want to jinx it. You know, whatever. Announcers curse, podcasters curse, whatever. I we were talking before we started recording. I think Milwaukee took the best punch from. Phoenix was going to have yep. Game 5. That was about as good as Phoenix was going to play. They survived Game 4. It was an ugly Game yep. 4, both teams. They took that first quarter punch from Phoenix. They answered back. Milwaukee's going to be a raucous crowd. All, whatever, 15,000, 20,000 fit in Fiserv. And they're having 65,000 65, people in the Deer District that are going to be felt inside. Yep. I, I, I can't envision a way... I guess I shouldn't say that. I don't realistically see a scenario where the Bucks don't finish it tomorrow. No, and the thing about it is, too, they're going to do a 30 for 30 about this in 20 years, really regardless of what happens. And remember when I'm going to say this, the Phoenix, someone from Phoenix, someone like Devin Booker is going to say, we lost momentum after game three. And we lost momentum and it was over. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. That's, that's what's going to be said down the road. This is Rams' future prediction. You're going to see a 30 for 30. They're going to go, hey, we lost momentum. Now, they might come back and win this series, but I highly doubt it. I don't, I don't think that Phoenix can win in Milwaukee. I really don't. I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure if Milwaukee could win in Phoenix. Like Justin said, I'm going to give Justin his, his due credit here. If Milwaukee wants to win this series, they had to win game five. We yep. both said that last week. And the sons of bitches went out and did it. And they did it so convincingly that... Game six, I, nothing ever is a lock. But if you're listening to this, it's championship day. I think so. I really do. 
And I, I just don't, I don't see them losing. I think Phoenix is done. They look tired. They look worn out. And Milwaukee's going home. That's a bad combination. Like, if you want worst-case scenario for Phoenix, being tired and going back to Milwaukee. And, you know, I'm going to make my prediction. This is going to be my bold prediction. Because, like I said, I, I think we're, we're on the same page here. I've said it since the Brooklyn series. Game four is going to be, or game six is going to be Chris Middleton game. We saw a little bit of it in game five. We saw a little bit of it in game four. Well, actually, we saw a lot of it in game four. Game four was a 40-point Chris Middleton game. Game six, Chris Middleton's going to be the closer. I don't think it needs to be closed. I think it's going to blow up Milwaukee. No, I'm, I understand that. But what I'm saying is he is going to be – I don't know if it's going to be another 40-point game. It might be a blowout Milwaukee, but it's going to be spearheaded by Chris Middleton. I think that uh, if you guys remember when Miami beat Oklahoma City, which is kind of a similar thing as game six going back to Miami, mm-hmm. that it was over by half. Yeah. I can see that happening again. A really young team that was hot is worn out and I think just wants to go on vacation at this point. Because I think, I think Phoenix knows they've been beat. Phoenix yeah. knows they gave it their best shot in game four. Mm-hmm. Uh, or game five, and Milwaukee just kind of bulldozed them. And, you know, even watching game five, I'm like, you know what, Phoenix, that, they were down, we just said they were down, what, one with 19 seconds left and the ball going up the floor, mm-hmm. and Devin Brooker turns the ball over. Yep. I think that's it. I, don't, I think that's their best shot. I don't see it happening where they give Milwaukee something they haven't seen yet. No, and that, that's what I'm saying. But like I said, I think it's good. They're going to, they, obviously, because they have to. It's must win. You're going to see a really aggressive first quarter. I think the Bucks are going to answer every punch. Like I said, I think it's going to be Chris Middleton game. I think Giannis is still the finals MVP. But game six is going to be like Middleton. He's been the closer all postseason. He's been that guy, which I didn't think they even had one at the start of this postseason. I didn't think they had that kind of guy. Drew was that guy game five. Giannis has been that guy all postseason or all this series. Chris Middleton's time, and great, like I said, you the game five. The reason game five is so cool as a Bucks fan. If you're a Bucks fan, you have to feel good about just the fact that it was the unicorn game. All three of the big three, yep. huge games. Well, and that's that's just, I gotta give credit to that. Another, you know, our, our chugger Ben Kiefer, he he made that phrase. He pointed that out. But all five games, or all three of the big three, had twenty plus points. But what, what they did in game five can be replicated. Milwaukee? Milwaukee. What they did in game five, I, it would not surprise me to see a similar stat line. Oh, yeah, it definitely can Wednesday be replicated. Morning. So it's just one of those things that's kind of I, – I was wrong. I, said, I, was, I thought Phoenix was going to win in six. Uh, this was Phoenix's game. Phoenix is serious to lose. Do you have a bold prediction for tomorrow? I think it's going to be a blow. I think Milwaukee's going to come in and just – I don't think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a 15-point game tomorrow. I love it. I love it. So before we wrap up our episode here, there's a new segment we want to try out. So usually when we have, before we actually talk the meat of our episode, I talk about the Brewers. Justin's going to talk about the Badgers. We haven't really had anything for Ramsey. And we're kind of throwing this around today. What can we do with Ramsey? And as our listeners know, Ramsey loves to be Mr. Hot Take. Rams, Uncle Rams, we're all going to sit a list Uncle Rams, we're going to take it to school. So, 
first of all, I want I I hope that maybe we can get a vote on this or something like that. We'll see which which, which one sticks better here. We can go Ramsey's radar, where we kind of do like a prediction with Ramsey. He's gonna give us two predictions today for the upcoming week of sports. He's gonna give us two predictions or back to school with Ramsey. And we're gonna grade his predictions a week later. So just kind of like everyone looks at the weather forecast and you know, there you ever see like the things where if the weather forecast is off by five degrees or whatever, everyone gets like free ice cream or something stupid. I, we're not obviously going to do that. People give us free beer. But we're going to do something fun here with Ramsey where we're going to grade him for the segment and we're going to see what kind of happens after that. So we're going to finish up, as I said, either back to school with Ramsey or Ramsey's radar. Two predictions for the next coming week of sports, and we'll look at them next week. Floor is yours, buddy. So prediction number one, like I was just saying, I think the Bucks are going to blow out the Suns. Okay. My prediction is going to be 12 points, Milwaukee win. I don't think I think it's settled by half. Okay. I think it's just the series is going to be over. I think Milwaukee is going to come out and force what they want. They're going to get their spot. I think Phoenix is going to have a tough time shooting the ball. Pfizer is going to be rocking, so I'm going to say – Bucks one by twelve. Bucks and six. Bucks and six. Bucks by twelve. Lock it down. What's the second one? My second one is I think we have big Aaron Rodgers news that he's gonna be back in Green Bay. I think he's already back. I think he's back in town. You know. I think it's gonna come out, and I think it's gonna be that it's gonna come out that he's actually back. We've had, and I'm glad you segued. Another great segue, buddy. I've been on it today. Just to finish up the episode, like I said, we're gonna hit a couple of things that in. You know how they always say, you know, why they always say deleted scenes, cut scenes, and stuff on the cutting room floor? You know why that's a phrase, Ramsey? Why is that? Because back in the day, up until probably four or five years ago, when made, people made movies, it was all shot on film strips. Right. So when you had a scene that was deleted or cut scenes or stuff on the cutting room floor, they would literally cut the film off. I'd have to merge like the new pieces onto it. Right. So with that said, I was gonna make this another segment we're gonna do here, best of the cutting room floor. Because there's so many things that we probably should talk about in some capacity that just they don't quite make the episode doesn't <coughs> flow any number of things. This was gonna be one of those things that was gonna be on the cutting room floor, but what the hell? We transition. So cutting room floor, a couple Aaron Rodgers-ish news. And this is all alleged, you know, hearsay gossip. The first piece, and they both came out Saturday, was that the cleaning company who is known to hire, be hired for players' houses to do the deep clean before training camp has been officially hired at Aaron Rodgers' house. Which means either one of two things. Either he's selling the place, which seems really unlikely at this point, or he's coming back. He's coming back. There's, I don't, there's not a doubt in my mind at this point. No, not at There's, this point. At this point, there's not a doubt in my mind. There never really was. I mean, if we look back at the film, if we look at even draft night when the whole story broke, if you go back and watch our seven-hour excursion of sitting at Ramsey's place watching the draft party, I was saying day one, I think this is overhyped BS by Adam Schefter that got picked up and ran with that wasn't based on a whole lot. I think there is some disgruntlement. I think that's... And I was going to actually say this, too. We're the only show that's reported this. June 5th. 
Aaron or team members of the Green Bay Packers in the front office flew to California. We know this on really good authority. And since that point, if you look back at the timeline of things that have happened, that Tuesday, that was a Saturday, I tweeted that on my profile. Right. It's my pinned tweet right now, Big E W D Z. That Tuesday, so that was Saturday. Tuesday, James Jones goes on CBS Sports and said, I think this thing's gonna get worked out. Yep. And shortly after that, it was the was it the Kentucky Derby that got no, it was the the Belmont or whatever where you see all these guys and it's been AJ Hawk saying things, it's been it's been John Kuhn saying yep. these positive things. It's all lined up to that point. Well, since that tweet, since there that hasn't tweet, been any big reports saying, hey, he's out. Yeah. And we were the first ones on it, just so you guys all know. Don't think we're going to drop that, by the way. No, no. We, we broke that news. And no June other, 5th. No other national it news. Got, it got four likes, I think. <laughs> I don't even know if it got that many. But June, 4, June 5th, while I was at a Brewer game in Milwaukee, good old Ramsey Thompson and Melissa Meanier Thompson are giving me a call. Here's a scoop. It goes out on the Twitter. June 5th, I tweeted at 3.47 in the afternoon. It got two likes. That's the, that's the scoop right there. And since then, I mean, even since then, we have heard there's no trade market. We have heard nothing but positive things. Mm-hmm. We got through the match where it was all fun and jokes. It's been nothing but good things since that point. And then just to top it all off, at a allegedly, I, I cannot confirm this. This is another thing that's been seen on Twitter, was that at a Bucks viewing game party at Huspies in Door County, a bar up in Door County, AJ Dillon was having a few brews and was asked if Aaron Rodgers is coming back. His quote: "Does a bear shit in the woods?" Yeah, I, the which, I, like I said, it's something something that's been kind of. Bound to happen at some point. Just from the very, at the very least, the standpoint of there's nothing that is going to happen this offseason. After the draft goes by, we kind of had known that nothing was going to happen this offseason. Well, we knew after the draft went that his trade value and what you were going to get for him was more on a, you know, stock market terms. It was a bear market. Yeah. Like it was the value that you were going to get for him after the draft was, I would say, what, 50% of what it would have been draft night. Right. So if he was going to get moved, it would have been draft night. Right. And we knew on draft night that the Packers front office was not going to trade him. And even going forward, Aaron Rodgers will be leaving the Packers at some point. I don't know if it's this offseason. Well, and that's the other thing I was going to say is there is no financial incentive for Green Bay to trade him this this previous offseason. Yeah. So the fact that people thought it was going to happen is just its insane to me. It might happen next offseason. This could be the final, the last dance. Yeah, and you, this might be Aaron's last ride, like in Green Bay. It might be his last ride as an NFL player. But we don't know how the season's going to yeah. play out. We don't know what's going to happen. But it could be. So let's just say as it goes perfect, right? Green Bay comes out, wins 12 games, gets really hot right before the playoffs. 12 and 5. Makes a run, gets a Super Bowl. Is Aaron retired at that point? I think so. See, I think so too. I think he's after one more ring. I think he's after one more ring. I think he's off to make a hit list on some of his quarterbacks he wants to go through. So it's really going to be interesting to see what 
the next 18 months of Aaron Rodgers holds. We're going to have content for the rest of the year on Aaron. Well, the team as a whole. I mean, they're still a team that made the NFC Championship game last year. They had probably one of their better drafts in recent memory as a whole. We think. On paper. So, so let's just throw this scenario out, too. Is there a scenario where Green Bay trades them at the deadline? If Green the Bay, only scenario I can see them trading him is if he legitimately gets hurt. Or if Devine, well, you can't trade a player that's been injured, right? You can't trade him if he's on injured reserve. You'd have to waive him and come to a settlement terms. So let's just say Devontae goes down week one. Bakhtiari re-injures his knee. and It would basically take the sky to fall. And we're on a seven-game losing streak. Does, I don't even think... Do we move Aaron at the deadline? It would take the sky to fall, and I don't even... I can't envision a scenario in which that happens. So though we got content for the rest of the year? Yeah. Like I said, this is a team that has been to back-to-back NFC Championship games that has played good enough to get there. They had a, the first 2018-19 season, or 19-20 season, I should say, yep. was a team that kind of overperformed, yep. got there against all odds, and got blown up by San Francisco. Last year's team was a team that belonged to be in the NFC Championship game, maybe not a Super Bowl. See, I think I go back and forth. I think they're better than Tampa that day. That day, probably, but the whatever, it didn't happen. Right. So, a team that was on the doorstep, and we'll see what happens. So they're not that far. I mean, they're running it back with a lot of the same pieces. They didn't add any free agents. <laughs> But they didn't lose Yet, any though, either. Too. They can still add some stuff. They got $5 million in cap as of today. Yeah. I saw that on ESPN today. $5 million in cap. There's still some decent free agents out there. Yep. And, you know, we don't know what the tra- you know what the cut deadline is going to look like in training camp. You can go get a guy cheap probably as a one-year season's about to start kind of deal. Yep. So, that said, I feel pretty good about this. Like I said, I don't envision a situation because I just don't think it's possible. Even if Devontae goes down, even if Bakhtiari gets hurt again, I still think they can win the North. I have said it on the pod. I think their roster is... I think their roster is overachieved for the talent that's on the team, and I think that the team's been absurdly healthy. So with those two reasons, I think they're going to have a down year regardless. Like well, We said that this last year. We, thought, we said that this year they were going to be a better team, but probably not a 13-3 record. And I still, I would stand by that. I, I still go back to what I just said, though. Both years, they've been absurdly healthy. Yeah. Which, that doesn't happen for a prolonged time in the NFL. That they haven't had a big injury to a main player outside of the Bakhtiari injury. And that was in the playoffs. And, right? that, was, the playoffs. That, and that was kind of a fluke accident in practice, too. Yeah. It wasn't like he blew it up in a game. So, but that's really the only injury of note for the last two years. Devontae's been in, had a couple things. Aaron Jones had a couple things. Aaron Jones, but for the most part, they've been healthy. And like I said, I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back going forward. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say they're not going to be Super Bowl contending team. Right. Because I still think they're on the bubble. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Tampa does with full offseason. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what uh, Matt Stafford does with the Rams. Well, you know, I'm just going to say Tampa Bay. And I've learned... 
the the whole NFL world has learned to not bet against Tom Brady. News came out what late last week he played all of twenty twenty one or twenty twenty with a torn MCL. Yeah. What? Yeah, he had offseason yeah. knee surgery. To repair a torn MCL that he played all season yeah. with. Which I mean, of all the players in the NFL that have a torn MCL, Tom Brady, like playing through that is probably the most okay to happen because he's not gonna scramble. But he didn't even look like he was No, limping. he didn't look hobbled. No. So back to my point though. You have a team, and Grant, I think you might kind of run into what those la- – after the Cleveland Cavaliers won the championship in 2016, you're kind of going to run into a situation where you got you had a team that got hot and had a lot of veteran presence, but at the same time you're going to have a lot of guys who are older and got another year older and yep. who aren't Tom Brady. Yep. I mean, Ndamukong Sue, you're going to have um, – Rob Bronkowski, you're going to have Antonio Brown. All these guys got another year older and aren't as undefeated against time as Tom Brady. We'll see, man. (laughs) Well, that division got worse, though. That's New Orleans isn't as good. Yep. Carolina's a dumpster fire. And... Who's the other team? Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlanta's Atlanta's better, but they're still in team purgatory. They're a year away. So they're They're gonna win. They're gonna win that division. Yeah. So they're gonna be a playoff team next year. They're gonna win that division. I would put money on it today. I I would too. So they're gonna be a playoff team. Regardless if they're older or not, they're still once you get to the playoffs, man, it doesn't really age kind of goes out the window. You can kinda you know, you just gotta get hot in a couple games. We'll see Tampa Bay. Yeah, and we'll have more content on that in the upcoming weeks. I mean, next week, Heavy Brewer episode. Matt Pauly's going to join us. Coming off that week, though, we'll be underway at training camp. Yep. So I know I'll be going to a couple practices when I can. I'm sure we'll get you to come to a couple. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Justin, I mean, again, probably have to go in dad mode, but he also has two kids that are, or at least one that's going to be kind of old enough to comprehend stuff. One for sure. If not. Well, the baby's pretty young. Yeah, the, the baby's like 19 months, so. And the other baby's brand new. Yeah, brand new. So I'm sure we can get him to come to a practice. Yeah, we'll see. But we'll I know out. I'll be going to some. I know I've already got tickets for the, the first preseason game against Houston. Nice. So we'll have some. We'll have a lot of Packers content this year, as we did late last season. It's be, well, after, by the time we have the Brewers trade, the Brewers episode was called that, right? We're going to have the Brewers More or less. Brewers episode here next week. After that, though, MLR, Major League Baseball, is going to be kind of a slump until... You've got to get through August. You have That's... four weeks of that. The NBA is going to kind of go into hiatus for about eight weeks. We'll have some Olympics <clears throat> that will probably... And the Olympics are going to be whatever. It's going to be so weird that there's not going to be any fans in the Olympics. I know. I don't like that. But it's weird they're still polling people too. There's about a bunch of athletes that have to. Mm-hmm. Have you seen their anti-sex beds? Yes. Imagine the, what that's meant, Nuggy. Be giving your athletes cardboard beds. Well, and remember, I mean, every year it comes out just how many like condoms they go throughout the Olympic Village and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the fact that like they've done everything they can. Oh, damn! COVID strikes again. Yeah. We have to use these cardboard beds. You imagine just like I mean the amount of like world class athlete babies that would be made there if it wasn't for condoms and Plan B. 
I mean, <laughs> maybe you should just let it try and just see what kind of uh, U.S. athletes come out of there. I'd not even. I'd be better for the world as a whole. Probably because you'd have you'd have you know te- chicks from Team Spain and the gymnastics and and dudes from the U.S. basketball team, just freak athlete babies. Yeah, you just gotta let that thing ride. Cutting room floor material still in it. <laughs> All right. This garbage. We should probably wrap this yeah. up before it gets worse. Probably it's going down hook quick. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. Root for Wisconsin, episode 32. Share the video. We want to see more chugs. We got to see some more than one. Yep. We got to get some more shares. We got to get more likes. Keep it going. We've gotten 10 new Facebook page likes in the I last know, it's week. Been. That's insane. So, genuine thank you to all our fans who've already gotten us to this point. Keep sharing. Keep liking. I'm sure we'll come. We can probably come up with another way to earn some entries. So. Yeah, we'll do some more creative stuff with the. But before the start of training camp, which will be a week from Wednesday or Thursday, so we got ten days. Yep. Check it out. We're the Roof for Wisconsin show, episode 32 in the books. Bucks and six. Let's go, baby. We out. Bye.